Welcome to Miles and Smiles. I'm your host, Julie Hatch. Together, we'll embark on a journey of love, service, and discovery as I share our adventures from the True Love Tour. You can check out photos and our blog on our website, thetruelovetour.com. I invite you to follow us on The True Love Tour at Share Love on Facebook. Stay tuned as I give you an up-close and personal view of our journey through stories, thoughts, and experiences. All right. Well, guess what, guys? I'm here with Paul Pulsifer live. He's in the house. (laughs) And I couldn't be more thrilled. Guys, he's coming all the way down from Canada And he's relocating and he stopped here in northern Utah just to do this episode and meet up with some friends. And I couldn't be more honored to have him here today. Paul, uh, you know, just we're going to be sharing a little bit about your journey. And I kind of just wanted to head through this with just take us back to, you know, a few months ago even. And and kind of share. (laughs) Yeah. Or even you can go further than that. But kind of share a little bit about where your come from is here. Um, okay. So for anyone who's listened to, um, I'm going to put in a little yes, plug here go um, for it. to my podcast. If you listen to episode 40, you have a more clear picture of my backstory and with uh, Lorraine and I over the, you know, 10, we- 10 years we were together. Pause and- for a minute. I am going to have you tell our listeners what pot, what's the name of your podcast? Stepping into freedom. Stepping into freedom. So okay. Check that out. It's episode 40. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all that happy jazz. Yes. <laughs> um, um, and there's a YouTube channel I have to put a few more episodes up on there that I haven't done yet. But anyways, um, so yeah, the last you know, the 10, almost 10 and a half years, Lorraine spent together with, you know, that we spent together in mortality, her mortality, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been telling a lot of people this as, um, as people have been asking, you know, how are you doing since she passed and all this stuff? And what I've been telling everybody is the last 10 years have kind of prepared me to deal with this kind of thing. Like our, our hearts just got so used to dealing with unexpected disappointments day after week, after month, after year. And, you know, so it's, it's all been in preparation for, I mean, I don't know if that's how Heavenly Father designed it probably. Cause he's like in the details of everything, but, right, right. but um, it was all kind of, it feels like I've been prepared for this the whole time. Um, since my heart's been kind of trained by Heavenly Father and by Lorraine as well, how to deal with unexpected disappointments and how to, respond to them with faith. Um, wow. And I, I don't know. It, I, I mean, the funny thing is the day she passed, she had been through, you know, almost as worse before when the doctor, when there's a, one of the doctors was saying, I don't think she's going to make it through the night. And I was like, you don't know my wife. You don't know Lorraine. <laughs> and she made it through the night. I mean, she, she came back and he was like, Oh, I was wrong. I told you. And, and so she had gotten through that, something like that before. And so, that day when the doctor said, oh, I don't know if she's going to make it through the day. I'm like, okay, I've heard that before. And she made it. But then what, what, what you know, hit me unexpectedly was when she did flatline for a few seconds. And then I'm, okay, what's going on here? Uh, so I actually asked her, Lorraine, please ask the Lord to restart your heart. And he did. And at that point, I'm like, oh, uh, time to call some people. <laughs> so, yeah, so I called, um, just for the sake of it, shout out to uh, Kevin Norell up in Hamilton and uh, Bishop Oswald and um, all three elders and the sisters. And um, who else was there? Our friend, Tammy, her friend, Ramona. Oh, your support. Jason, Amelia, Jason and Amelia <laughs> Julian were both there. Yeah. A lot of people Oh, and her birth mother and her birth aunt. 
um, were both there too. And that was just so awesome. And so we were playing, the funny thing is we were playing her favorite, sorry, her favorite hymn, How Great Thou Art, on loop on YouTube. Um, as, you know, after we decided, you know, we need to, you know, this isn't going to last, you know. You she, she's not going to, yeah, yeah, we yeah. knew. Like and a few of my friends had said, you know, don't you think maybe it's time, you know, to end her suffering? You know how much she's been through. And again, episode 40, you'll find out more about that if you listen. But, and so, I mean, I was in no state of mind to make decisions like that on my own at that point. So I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. So yeah, as soon as everybody was there and they said their goodbyes, turned off the antibiotics and the ventilator that was going through her trach, that was on 100%. They had inotropes running with lines wide open there to keep wow. her blood pressure up. And, and they, just, they just couldn't do it. So um, the funny thing is the doctors actually said, um, give her, you know, just maybe not even five minutes before she passes. And this is, speaks to Lorraine's character that she hung on for an additional 10, 20 minutes wow. after they pulled the plug and even took a few more of her own breaths in the process. Wow. And like, it's like, Lorraine, it's like Lorraine saying, I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Oh, so, I, yeah. I'm so glad I had a chance to meet her before she graduated. Um, <laughs> graduated. Yeah, she graduated. Uh, <laughs> But you know, how long were you two married? Ten, almost ten and a half years. Ten and a half yeah, years. Our tenth uh, anniversary was uh, June 9th. Oh, June twelfth. Wow. June June twelfth, two thousand nine. She and I both actually got the year and the day mixed up sometimes. So <laughs> I did too. I was married twelve years, and my husband and I, you know, we got married on Thanksgiving Day, and it, I think it was the twenty second when we got married. But we either, if we miss the twenty second, we'll celebrate on Thanksgiving, whatever day it is. Oh. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So after she passed, what was like your, what's the first thought that goes well, through your mind? The first thought for me was um, based on the promises we've been given, right? Yeah. The first thing I expected, and if something like that ever happened, the first thing I expected myself to feel was, did I do something wrong? Because Heavenly Father made these promises to Lorraine and uh, it's not happening how we thought we were told it was going to happen mm -hmm. in these priesthood blessings. Well, that's one of the reasons I mentioned, you know, my heart has been trained by Heavenly Father to process this kind of thing because my faith at that point, thankfully, was at the, the place where I could be like, well, I guess that uh, that's just going to be fulfilled in a different way than we expected. Yeah. End of story. And I told my dad that and he was like, really? Just like that? I'm like, yeah, just like that. It's the Lord's will. Why am I going to question that after all he's done for us? And he's like, okay. Wow. That's cool. I'm like, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's done that. He's helped me to get to the point where bad things don't affect my faith as used as they much as much as they used to, you know. You so. seem to know intuitively too, maybe just, you know, through through your spirit, that, you know, the Lord's way isn't our way. God's way is not our way. <laughs> no, it is not. It's not. It's just not. Oh man. So you I you know, I do have a question. This is actually a question I've wondered um, several times when I have friends with loved ones that have passed. What is the worst thing somebody can say? And what's the best thing somebody can say? Because sometimes I don't know what to say. Oh, to somebody who's been through yes. that. Um, what would you have needed I, to hear? Well, I, I'm kind of surprised by a question because I'm not sure if I'm really objective and perspective of most people because I, most bishops for Lorraine and I would tell us when they learned about our whole situation and circumstances and just how weird they were throughout the whole 10 years. And all, every bishop would say, I don't know what else to say to you guys. I've never seen a couple. And they, they would say, every single bishop would say, I've never seen a couple in as unique of a situation as you two 
anywhere ever. And one of them, like this guy knows uh, Jason Julian. He knows people oh, all over the world. He's, yeah. he's friends with Paul McCartney. Yeah. Like this guy knows people. And for him to say, I've never seen a couple in, in a more unique situation than you two ever anywhere. I'm like, uh, well, that's because Lorraine's a part of the picture and her life has just never been normal. And now I'm a part of it. So, it's a, <laughs> so, and that's, that's what they'd say. So well, I kind of surprised by your question. They're like, well, what do you say? I don't, I know what you say. Don't say to me, but other people, well, that's cool to you. Yeah. Well, yeah. To me, I, I don't know because what is something that somebody has said that kind of was like, well, I mean, okay, let me rephrase the question this way because I always, you know, with the belief and the, and the, the knowledge that I have, that there is life after death. I always am a little bit hesitant to say, like use past tense, like for those who knew and loved her. Well, they still know and love her. So I prefer oh, okay. present well, tense. From that angle, yes. From that angle, I totally get that. <laughs> like, funny thing is you mentioned that. I'm glad you did. There's so many people who would say, well, she she lived this way or she was. I was like, no, 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 no. She is yeah. that way. She right. does those things. Not she, not she did them. She does them. Yes. Right? And the uh, funny thing is, actually, I was, I was out to, today. Uh, before we came, I came here with my mom. I was at lunch with uh, my sister Camille, my mom, and, and um, oh, where was I just going with this? Um, so we were just talking about like what people say when people pass. Like, oh yeah, sorry, say. thank you. So mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I had told Camille, like, is because uh, Lorraine and I had been, you know, really trying to pray a lot for my sister, just because it was a personal thing she's struggling sure. with, which I won't mention here. But um, You're fine. and so. Um, I was telling her, you know, she, she had said that she, oh, I, I prayed and asked, oh, is Lorraine okay? Because she just loved Lorraine. She loved her so much, but she was up for the wedding and stuff. She just kind of clingy, actually. Oh. <laughs> All the pictures you can see her hugging Lorraine, and Lorraine's like, oh, man, she just loves me. But, um, so she said, she, you know, I asked, you know, Lorraine, are you okay? And she said she felt this, like, like Lorraine was hugging her. Like, she was right there with her, right? Oh. And I know I can personally tell you that Lorraine is intensely interested and invested in and my sister's well-being, and a lot of people's well-being. And I know, right. you know, you and I both know that our families, yes. our deceased family members are the ones who mainly who minister to us from the other side. Yes. They're the ones yes. who help the Lord answer our prayers, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yes. And so, I mean, I felt her by me a whole time. Um, and I actually kind of feel her right now saying, hi, Julie, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt that off and on. I, I, yeah, yeah, I can feel her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. She's always been around. And uh, it's, I, I guess yeah, that's one of the things I would say, don't say to somebody, who has had a relative passed away. Oh, they were, they did. No, no, they are. And they do. Yes. You know? And then also, you know, the other thing that's a little strange for me too is, you know, I'm so sorry. I, when I say that, it's not sorry that they passed because honestly, they're not suffering on the other side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sorry for the person that's left behind that's mm -hmm. hurting or grieving mm -hmm. that they have to feel that pain. But it, I always feel a little bit awkward when, when somebody experiences the passing of a loved one or what I like to refer to as a graduation. Um, I always uh, struggle to know exactly what to say or what's the right thing to say or what shouldn't I say, uh, trying to be sensitive to people's situation. And everybody grieves differently. Yeah. You know, they, there's there was a book I read one time that kind of talked about the four stages of grief. And I, I completely disagreed with the stages thing because – First of all, I think you can have the same emotion surface and leave and then come back again and like it or cycle oh, yeah. through it. You oh, can yeah. have a myriad of different um, different emotions at different times. And I don't think it's a set. I don't think it's as simple or set to here's the four emotions you're going to feel. And this is when <laughs> you're going to feel them. <laughs> you know, everybody's different. Like, especially like, as you know, listeners could probably surmise already, like 
Lorraine and I were in a situation where, you know, we, we didn't fit the box, if you will, yeah. so much so that it was like, you know, oh, most people do this, oh, except for those two. <laughs> you, why, why don't you feel, oh, uh, you don't feel this way because, oh, it's you two, that's why. <laughs> how, do you, how did you feel about that? Um, uh, like, what, what were specifically you referring to? Like, well, like, when people kind of, I don't want to say... Stereotype? Yeah, or, stereotype yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's your reaction to that? Honestly, uh, this actually, I, I feel bad because this, I, I accidentally made one nurse in the hospital feel bad about this. I didn't mean to. I actually laughed. Because <laughs> the question was, Lorraine, did, did you, have you ever had diabetes? And I, and I actually laughed. And she goes, oh, well, don't laugh. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be offensive. It's just <laughs> the number of people that have asked that question, that, like at least in that situation, right? And the number of times you said no, I'm like, okay. Uh, sorry. No, no, she hasn't. <laughs> and, it, and it's like the same thing for me. You know, people ask things that maybe seem stereotypical, which I, you know, honestly, I lost the energy to get offended and hold grudges yeah, and, and not yeah. forgive. I lost the energy to do that. I, I agree with you. On but that. so I, I mean, there's no offense there on my part, but it's just like, I almost find it comical. And I think Henley Fodder sometimes does too, because he, uh, how many of our immortal foibles does he see down here? Right, right. And I can almost imagine him <laughs> sitting up there like, <laughs> okay, you'll get it one day. I'm just going to be patient. Watch, but <laughs> okay, man, whatever. But I'm here for you. We need, I can picture him doing that, you know, like almost thinking of it in a comical set. Oh, they just keep going. It's so funny. Well, they'll get it. I'll keep trying, you know. <laughs> so you now, now she passed and you're planning a move, right? Yeah. Like you're in the process yep. of a move. Why yeah. St. George? Okay. So this is funny. Um, the second she passed, um, well, kind of a bit of yeah, a backstory ahead, here. Sure. Um, the, the moment she passed, like she was involved in every last detail of the funeral. She planned it. Lorraine planned that. We just followed her instructions. I'm telling you so many miracles that I'll get into That's another time. Awesome. That, um, so after that, I'm like, the bishop asked me, Bishop Oswald, he, he's like, what are you going to, what are you going to do next? I'm like, I have no idea. We didn't plan for this. There's no will. <laughs> like, I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, wait a minute. I have podcast friends all over the continent. I have returned missionaries who served in our ward up in Hamilton who are all over the continent. I've got options. Yes. So I just started, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the first time you've probably been able to really think about those options, honestly, because you're, yeah. you know, day to day trying to take care yeah. of the things that need to be taken care well, of. And now Lorraine can, you know, tag along the ride with me and be yeah. like, okay, I'm going to tell you where you should do this now because I, I have more direct information right from Heavenly Father because my senses are heightened now more than they ever were and yours aren't. So which is great. Right. right? get help on the other side so anyways like yeah i called a bunch of people and and uh everything everybody told me from you know utah texas alberta uh, one person from florida i think it was I actually have a podcast guest who was in vietnam and i recorded but i would never go out there because wow. <laughs> that's even farther from family but um <laughs> um everywhere everybody said basically pointed to saint george by saying this is how great it is or by saying this is how bad of a fit everywhere else is for you <laughs> not, not they didn't use that wording, but it's like everything they told me, but every other place was like, well, that's not a good fit because X, Y, Z. Right. And so I'm like, okay. And then funny thing is my sister, my older, the older of my younger sisters, Jessica, unprompted one day, she's like, have you ever thought about St. George? I'm like, I just look up. I hear you. Okay. <laughs> I lived in St. George for three years. I loved St. George. Everybody is saying that. I'm like, okay, cool. And then, I, and then I asked Brandon Hart uh, down in St. George since uh, I know him down there. He's like, What's the spiritual environment like down there? He goes, oh, well, you know, the, the way you and I understand this phrase, he didn't say it that way, but kind of that, that 
moving like mode of speaking. Yeah. It's like people are awake down there. I'm like, oh, I know what that means. Okay, good. Yes, good. <laughs> They're awake. I love it. Spiritually awake. I'm like, okay, thank you, because I need that. I mean, you spend 10 years in a city of over 600,000 people in a situation like Lorraine and I were in, and you get used to the opposition, the intense opposition you face every hour, every second sometimes. And I come down here and I told my parents, I'm like, and I mean, I don't know how weird this sounds to somebody else, but I miss the opposition. I need more because it keeps my, like, it keeps me on my toes. I mean, my spiritual sales are always being adjusted without it. It's like, Oh, I don't have a reason to try hard. Like, no, I mean, I do. No, I get it. I I get it. You don't feel that much anymore. You know? It's so true. And you know what though? Like, I don't know. I think there's a built-in missionary in you, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes being around like-minded people or people that get you and understand you or share common beliefs is great, but it's also, you know, it's, it can be limiting sometimes. And I think having different perspectives and having, um, Things to challenge you. Yeah, things to challenge you. There's a reason for opposition in all things, right? There's a reason for yeah, it. That was actually Lorraine's favorite chapter in the Book of Mormon. Was it really? Yeah, Second Nephi 2. Uh-huh, no accidents. <laughs> She's here, I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so now you're on your way to St. George. And what are what are do you have plans right now as far as um, St. George? Well, I got a job interview Friday. Saturday, excuse me, Saturday afternoon. And uh, I don't know if you called an interview tonight with uh, just kind of a discussion of what options I might have with them with Color My Media. Um, yeah, but things there. And uh, I got some apartments to view uh, Saturday afternoon as well and Monday. So see what happens. Any plans for your music or any hopes or dreams for your music? Okay. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. So I just got finished for all you people out there. You got to hear this. I just got finished with Noisebox Studios right before I came, um, almost right before I came here to Julia's house um, with a song I wrote called The Heart of the Lord. And I, so I, I just have to give a huge shout out. Thank you to um, Daniel Blomberg, uh, Dave Zimmerman, and uh, Kristen Bordine Scott because they were the ones who helped me put it together at their studio. And the last time I remember feeling the spirit that strong when putting together a piece of music was either when I wrote it, and you could feel I could feel like the Lord just saying, "This word goes there. This word goes there. This rhymes with that," and just giving me the melody. You know, there's, there's times where you know He's just giving it to you. Chills. And um, yeah, the whole process, I'm just like, oh, certain parts I see, you know, a little phrase here and there, I'm like, ooh, getting gooseys, yes. that's the one, stick that <laughs> in there. So, and it was like the, probably one of the most spiritual experiences I've had with music out of maybe two or three times in my life where, where I just knew that Heavenly Father was guiding every last little piece of the process. And I'm just like, how do I... Thank you isn't strong enough, you know? It's like mortal language is insufficient. But it was just so cool. So that's going to come out hopefully soon. As soon as they uh, get the um, MP3 done up, that's going to be on iTunes and Spotify and all that good stuff. So Wow. That's I cannot wait. Just the message is just the, the, the title itself, Heart of the Lord, right? Yeah. Um, a little bit of a spoiler here. Part of the chorus, um, the, the lyrics, um, so you're only in the heart of the Lord. It is he who holds the key to make me holy. And in the end, um, talks about making my heart like the heart of the Lord. Um, wow. So, and that's, I kind of feel and hope like that's where I'm continuing to go with Lorraine's help. And yeah. And now that we have, you know, a different 
motive connection besides sure. mortal, you know? Sure. Um, actually, I wrote a blog article on that for LDS Blogs. My editor, Amy, got that up yesterday. Fantastic. Um, so thank you, Amy Kine, for that. Um, <laughs> but it talked about, you know, the differences of connection. That's something else I, I think might be good to mention here, too, is the article I wrote was talking about the differences in, you know, different amounts of connection we have with our deceased relatives versus um, those who are still mortal and with us, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I talked about was, uh, and I showed my dad this video too, actually, on the 21-hour drive back from Canada to Colorado. Right. Um, this video, it's a TED Talk. Uh, what's the guy's name? Johan Hari? Hari Johan? I, I forget the guy's name. And he, the title of the video is, "What you think? everything you think you know about addiction is wrong. Because I've been through that path many times, recovering and stuff. And one of the things he mentions is that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection, connection yep. right? Because it thrives on isolation. Absolutely. And so one of the things that I mentioned in that article I wrote was um, about the differences with connecting with Lorraine during mortality versus now. Um, one of the things I talked about was that at, at certain points in the hospital, right? She um, like she had lymphedema, severe lymphedema. And sometimes that when you're on dialysis, it helps take off that fluid, um, they can do that as well with the dialysis process. And what, a few times when they did that, like her, her swelling went so far down. I'm like, well, this is great. Why can't we have a process like this at home? <laughs> right? <laughs> Keep the fluid off, right? Get the swelling down, right? Yeah. But then the funny thing is when it came back, like every time the swelling came back into her body, it spread further and further into different areas, right? Wow. And so at one point it had gotten into her eyeballs and she couldn't open her eyes for a week. Wow. You could tell she was alert because she was moving and wincing and stuff and she couldn't talk and any of that because she was too out of it. But she couldn't even open her eyes. Wow. And you don't know. You, know, you don't want to know when it's got, what you got till it's gone, right? People underestimate so often, even just those simple things like being able to look into the eyes of the, your loved ones, right? They overlook that. And after a week of not being able to look into my wife's eyes, I'm just like, she opened them. I'm like, oh, eyes, yay. Like, who yes. thinks that, right? Yeah. Who thinks I'm like, yeah, of course I can see the rise. You don't until you don't have it anymore. It's true. And I wrote in my journal, and part of the article I was writing was taking an excerpt from my journal, saying where I was writing about saying well, she can open her eyes now, and she can kind of wiggle her eyebrows. Like half the time, I can't tell if she's wiggling them to communicate with me or if it's just she's trying to move something. Yeah. Because she'd look at me. Part of that journal entry was, oh, I wrote. She'd look at me with this kind of blank stare, and I'll talk to her, and she can look me in the eye, but it's just like this there in the headlights stare. I'm like, are you even getting anything? I have no idea. Yeah. And then finally, when she was able to speak again, once they put the plug in her trach, um, I'm like, oh, her voice, you know, another small thing, right? Yeah. It's like, you, 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 you don't realize you how don't. much those little micro expressions mean. Mm-hmm. So the reason I mentioned that is because um, Lorraine and I had the f- almost the full gamut, if you will, of like different range of levels of communication and connection, right? Mm-hmm. We had everything from micro movements to, um, like I mentioned to you last September, uh, I think that's in episode 40 as well, in the hospital when we were, you know, as the description might say, nigh unto being able to communicate almost clearly spirit to spirit without even using words. That's amazing. I wouldn't say it goes far as something no, like, like, but... like borderline sci-fi, like telepathy or whatever. I mean, but that'd be cool. <laughs> but... um just an understanding. Uh, yeah, like there's one time I remember where I, I was able to look at her the last September and just feel love to her. Yeah. And she actually, I, I didn't say anything, but in the, in the middle of that, um, her, the nerve pain, she, nerve pain she was in at the time put her in a state of mind where she was able to feel that without me saying anything. And she's like, oh, okay, whoa. 
That's a lot. Wow. You were you weren't kidding. Okay, you do feel you do feel love a lot. Wow. And for for Lorraine to say that, she has a wide scope of experience with things like that. So for her to say, whoa, okay, I I get it. Yes, you love me. I love you too. That's 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 a lot. That's a little overwhelming. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> and for you know, for a day or so we were able to to get to that point. And so when I say, you know, that's why I say we, we had those almost the whole you know, from my perspective, it's much you know, along the spectrum of different levels of communication sure. as you can get in mortality. Yeah. And, you know, now that she's not here, it's like there's, I can feel more of a spiritual connection more consistently. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, can I hear your voice, please? Just yeah, for a second. Right? I'm like, you heard voices when, you know, from angels and other people when you were in extreme pain and stuff. I'm like, can I have that too, Heavenly Father? I know I don't need it. Lorraine needed it more because she had more to deal with than me. But yeah. I, sometimes I look up and pray and I'm like, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I know. Please, <laughs> I, I get that. I don't oh need it, but goodness. but could I? Could I please? Like like a little kid at <laughs> yes, Christmas, you know. Right? I know his answers still. Most of the time, gonna be like maybe the rest of my life. I don't know. Gonna be no. You're right. You don't need it. Do you know? It's interesting because <laughs> the first thought that went to my my mind when you when you just said that just now is that's probably why one of the reasons why you experienced. You know, not being able to see her eyes at one point, not being able, you know, just like you said, the last 10 years have been so preparatory and kind of bringing you to where you are now. And um, it's such a, I remember when I was going through one of the hardest times of my life. And I remember when, one time I couldn't make it to my grandpa's, uh, my grandpa's funeral. He lived with us um, for most of my youth and childhood. And we were very, very close, but I couldn't. I couldn't leave Nevada to go to his funeral in California and I was just devastated. And, um, and there was one point where I was, we had a family crisis and I remember I went to go touch the doorknob of my door and I, I could, I could hear him and I could feel him. So it was so real and so tangible to me as if he were just standing there. And then shortly, it was either shortly, it was before that, happened that Easter before that happened when he had still had passed. Um, I had a dream with him in it. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it was. And that was an, unfor I can tell you that was, that was so real that I could tell you every single minute detail of that dream, even now, many, many <laughs> years later, but I do know, you know, our, our loved ones are still around us. They're still oh, with we us. Have any so, idea. Yeah. Right. What would you tell somebody who's grieving, who lost a loved one? What would you, what would you want them to know about death? Well, one thing I've noticed from books I've read and from things Lorraine has told me about what she's seen from the other side. Um, how do I say that? I guess the best way to put that would be once you're out of your body from what she's told me, um, there's a point where you, you, you realize you're at a point where you can feel things and perceive things that most other people can't. And because of that, um, you, you just don't know how much, like the, the capacity to love is increased because they're not muddled by, you know, there's no, the, the signals and perceptions aren't muffled by the mortal brain anymore. And so, be, like, it's just that if anybody out there has seen that Mormon message that used to, I don't know what they call them now, since the President Nelson's thing about the name of the church, but um, those videos where uh, the refiners fire. Yes. Like he's yeah. talking about cancer. And one of my favorite lines in there is where she says, you know, I think the equal and opposite, right? The more 
dip, and the more deep our suffering is, the more capacity we have to feel joy. It's like those impure parts of our heart are being dug out so we can be filled with more of the love of Christ. And that is exactly what happens when, from my understanding, when a loved one passes, they have more capacity to feel love and joy. So the first thing I would tell somebody is based on that, you can know without any doubt that their love for you is never, it's, it's like, oh, I've mentioned this, this uh, quote a few times in the past few days. I forget which apostle was it was that said something like, the crowning attribute of charity and love is loyalty. And they can feel more that's of that. Not, they, they, they can feel more of that um, when they are disembodied. And so if anything, they're going to be more committed to your well-being disembodied than they ever could be in a body. You know, their commitment is going to multiply by infinite number to your well-being and looking after you. That's profound. I have not like, ever thought of it that way, but that's profound. Like, you know, it's it's like a, uh, uh, forgive me for those who have heard me say this before, but that part in Tad Cal- Callister's Infinite Atonement where he makes his pen light to the sun analogy. I wrote a blog article on that too. So if you want to read that on LDS blogs, um, where he, has, uh, he mentions, you know, the Christ suffering um, physical pain alone from the cross when compared to the entire weight of human sin, weakness, and everything negative about, you know, human experience, those two comparison is as a pen light to the sun, he says, right? So, and so also is our ability, um, he mentions this too, like um, in response to people, questions people might ask about, oh, well, like critics of the church might say, well, you can't be like God, that's blasphemy. You're diminishing his Godship. No, you're not. Because you think of our ability now to worship and glorify Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ as weak mortals, right? Mm-hmm. Think of some of the strongest people you've ever known, like Peter and Paul and President Nelson, things like that. How much ability they have to glorify the Father because of their experience. Now, multiply that by an infinite amount when we, you know, for those of us who attain Godhood and, and, God, and become gods and goddesses, right? Now, how much more ability do we have then? what you're doing is exponentially multiplying God's glory by making the rest of us like him. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens with deceased ancestors. They have much more, more capability mm-hmm. to look after us, to care for us, to love us, to feel those things, to have knowledge just pour in without mortal vision and hearing and having to memorize things by the book in the way of that, right? Mm-hmm. Information can just flow. And so they know more about what we need. They, they care more about what we need. And therefore, like, honestly, there's less to worry about for their well-being, um, I mean, provided they live the gospel, right? Right. Um, I mean, there's there's less that they need. There's less limitations for what they can do then, or once they're disembodied, than what they can do in mortality. Mm-hmm. Their capability is like multiplied so much through that. So, I wanted to ask you, Paul, um, what is your feeling about people? talking to you about Lorraine is that something you prefer yes oh yes (laughs) because on like and the the weird thing for me is right now the only thing I still I don't know with because Asperger's I guess that's (laughs) the social dyslexia if you will for that um and not the kind of person like oh oh why what are the social rules to this thing right being a 33 (laughs) 33 year old widower I'm like what are the rules now for this what's what's socially correct I'm like I have no idea so like like whenever I, you know, whenever I'm going to go on dates, it's like, what am I allowed to talk about? What's going to creep people out? Which I don't even know. Right. Yeah. And so, but, but still it's like, I'm hoping that people are going to be like, yeah, talk about it as much as you want. Um, not because 
I mean, I don't want to do it out of, oh, yeah, I miss the rain so much, which I'm, of course there's sure. moments, right? There's, there's moments that when I'm alone at night or something, yeah. and I'll see a picture of her, I'll be like, you know, just start kind of tear up, like, I miss you so much. And yeah. I wish I could hear your voice. That, that happens, of course. You know, if I don't think I'd be human if I didn't have that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um, it's... It's just a way to keep Lorraine's influence, especially the influence she had on me, the person I become because of her, because of my father's working through her to help me change into a person who I am now. Um, that influence needs to keep spreading somehow. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to spread Lorraine's legacy in many ways and as many as many people as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, her example of teaching me how to forgive, she had to forgive some pretty intense things. And I can talk about that another time maybe in private to people because that's not something we share with the public a lot, but yeah. um, the things she had to forgive, like that was one of the things that helped train my heart watching how she did it to be like, you know, I, I just lost the energy to care what, what people think <laughs> about so me. True. Now caring, caring what they feel is one thing. Caring what people think is another. Yeah. I care about people, how people feel, but caring what they think about me. It's like, I, I don't, I don't have the energy to care. It's, it's too much of a burden. Grudges are dumb. Um, <laughs> Right. They are. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the thing that was actually costing me, like I was thinking about on the drive here, funny enough, was what more reason do you need to forgive even the most heinous offenses than Jesus commanded me to? What more reason do, could you possibly need? The one who understands you better than anyone else could ever possibly do. I, I don't, it just sometimes boggles my mind. It's like, what more reason, again, what more reason could you possibly need yeah. than just Jesus loves you. He loves them more than you even can understand. And he's commanded you to. End of story. And he's shown us how to boot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. As as they were hurting him, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right. And to be honest, 90, I say 80 to 90% of the time, they really don't. They really don't know what they're doing to you. From their, you know, every one of us has different moral perspectives, nature versus nurture, however you want to term that, right? And no matter what happens, uh, what's possible is it that said if you treat people like they're going through a serious crisis, half the time you will be right. And you don't know what pain someone's trying to mask by treating you like that. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, several nurses in the hospital who were a little bit, you know, rude to Lorraine and I sometimes um, on rare occasion, most of them were really good there. And Lorraine, uh, later I'd find out what they were going through mm-hmm. um, when, on, a, on an occasion where they would, you know, come out of their bubble enough. Oh, I, I don't know how much I can tell here in the hospital because privacy policy and crap like that, right? right? Can- right. Canadian healthcare system differences there. But once in a while, when they came out and tell me something and learn something, I'd be like, oh, and it's like, <laughs> you know what? There just is no room to judge. I mean, I mean, the big ones, right? Like sure. whether or not they're going to make it, whether right. or not like, oh, that, that was, I mean, you have to judge people's character if you're going to date them. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Right. But yeah. I mean, like, like they're the big <laughs> things, right? So yeah, just grudges are, are dumb. And that's one of the things Lorraine taught me the most and to help me follow through her was that Especially because, especially in Lorraine's case, you don't know when someone's going to pass. I had no idea. We thought she was going to make it. Yeah. And it's like, make the most of your time, forgive, let go. Instantly, you just got to learn to do it because you don't know when it's time is over. You don't know. You don't. It's so, you know, I do personal assisting for a mentor and her message this week was love like there is no tomorrow. Yes. And, and it's so true because we just don't know, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed to anybody and we don't know what, you know, 
we don't know when our loved ones are going to graduate. We don't know when we're going to graduate. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know these things. And so we have to make the most of it of each day with the, with the people that we love and even the people we don't love. We need to make the most of our lives while we're here, while we can. And, um, you know, Paul, is there any last remarks that you would like to share before we wrap this up? About something specific or just anything? Is there anything on your heart that you, wanted to share um, or you feel like you've shared shared what you needed to share <laughs> um this has kind of become i guess it's a two-in-one thing here this has become kind of my mantra if you will and uh, i actually made a facebook video about this so oh, two or three years ago maybe um basically this is my kind of become my life philosophy is stop asking how good you have to be stop looking for you know What's the line? Oh, okay, this is the temple worthiness line. Okay, good enough. No, not good enough. Good enough for now, maybe, but for now is not going to be around much longer. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to be doing when the question should be, how good can I possibly be? Because you're, you're limit, you, you can't limit holiness, right? If you try to limit holiness, you try to, limit, oh, I'll be this holy for now. Uh, why? Like about that part of Harry Potter where he's learning occlumency and he's, he's like, if I can just rest and Snape says the dark Lord isn't resting. Well, guess what? Satan isn't resting either. He's had four, uh, six, yeah, almost yeah, 6,000 years of experience. Now you think you're safe. The, the moment you think, Oh, well I can relax a little bit. That's where you're in trouble. Yeah. That's why I mentioned, you know, I gotta have something to, to push up against my spiritual sails to co- keep me constantly so adjusted. True. Cause when so I'm true. not, you get complacent. That's when danger starts to set in. Amen. So, you know, yep. stop asking how good you have to be. Start asking how good you can be. And that is the single best way I know of from experience to like, like my song is that's coming out. It's going to say to make your heart like the Lord's heart. That's how you can do it. I love it. I appreciate you being here. And it's such a, it's such a great, it's so great. You know, it's one thing when you see each other on a screen, it's another thing to really be in your presence. And Paul, I'm just so grateful that you've given me and our listeners the opportunity to connect once again with you and Happy to do it. and to glean from you um, just the, you know, when you go through things like that, there's always something in our challenges and our trials that we can share and you never know how it will uh, impact or benefit or um, help someone else. So thank you for just everything that you, for being vulnerable and just sharing, sharing your truth and, and your experiences and the things that you know are true. Thank you for that. And uh, we, we wish you all the luck. We're, I don't know about you listeners. Oh, you have one more thing. I was, to say. I was just gonna say with, with the whole your truth thing. Um, I hope you don't mind if I mentioned one thing I've that's with that phrase, the your truth. Um, I've, I don't know if I, if, if I may, I don't know if I've, I've always, always liked that wording, um, because there's there's different truths in your truth as in like your experience, but that's for, the way I'm referencing. Yeah, yeah. It, just for clarity. Yeah, okay, I get, okay, I, cool. I get what you're saying though, because truth isn't always a relative thing. There yeah. is such a thing as an yeah. absolute. Yeah, truth. There, there's something like you know <laughs> th- this experience has been true for you kind of thing. So I, I've always made that distinction in my mind of there is absolute truth. There is there is what you're doing is not you know what's the word? Um, it doesn't align with absolute truth. But then the other way you're saying it is, you know, 
Because no, this, yeah, this perspective. No one is yeah. you. Yeah, no yeah. one may experience something exactly the same way you will and get the same thing from it. So yeah. it's just. But I, I, I don't usually use that phrase very often. It's funny that you bring that up. <laughs> I don't for that reason because it has because a little ring to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. So I get it. But I just want to say I'm, I'm just really grateful. And Lorraine, I know you're here. Thank you for joining us because I feel you, and I'm just. I, it's just a uh, pleasure. Did you feel that? You are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and listeners, thank you for tuning in. And we look forward, Paul, to the things that you're going to be working on creatively and in the future. Um, because I just know, I, I told him today, I have this gut instinct. I just, <laughs> this gut feeling, his music, if you've not heard it, you need to go listen to it. It's incredible. So uh, he has gifts to share. And I, I look forward to that. So uh, guys, go check out his podcast. The name of it again is Stepping into Freedom. Yep. And the season two is going to be with the theme of I can do hard things, which is interesting. Love it. This conversation. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. if anybody um, has a story out there that they want to share, that there's something hard for them that, uh, you know, you know, the Lord helped you through it. And for some reason, that thing that God helped you through helped you become more free. I want to hear it. I want to have you on the show. I want to hear your experiences. And what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Uh, the pulsifier at gmail.com, T H E P U L S I P H Y E R at gmail. Um, or I guess now that I'm in Utah, anybody in Utah can just uh, text me, 435 218 1184. Awesome. Love to hear from you. All right. With that, stay tuned for our next episode, guys, and we'll talk to you later. Make today great. <laughs>